0: You're invited to the Healthcare Cookout.
1: Hey everyone, this is your host, Stephanie. Welcome back to Healthcare Cookout, where we explore what it means to be a healthcare professional and hear from people in different professions about what they do and how they got here. This week, I have the pleasure of talking to someone who's been a lifelong role model, who I also get the pleasure of calling my older brother. Welcome Dr. Steve.
0: Do you hey, want
1: to introduce yourself
0: right. to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my name is Steve Amefuna. Um, actually, let me throw my Nigerian name in the middle. I like the flow That Steve Chukwebuka Amefuna. Um, and I am a second year anesthesia resident at the Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland. And have the pleasure of being Stephanie's older brother.
1: Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So tell us what it means to be a second year resident. Like, What is your life day to day?
0: Um, Yeah, absolutely. It can vary pretty drastically depending on what you're doing or sort of where you are in the hospital. I think that um, the cool thing that I've learned about anesthesia since I've become a resident is that we are pretty essential to hospital running. You know, so you will some days be in the operating room, which I think is where most people think of anesthesiologists being, but also you'll be in like um, the psych unit on like electroshock therapy. Um, you'll be in the ICUs, you'll be on like and delivery. Um, so kind of all over. Um, Right now, or at least most recently, I've been in the ORs, and so um, we have a bunch of them, like four or five, and every day they send out a little schedule telling you where everybody's going to be the next day, and so um, depending on that schedule, you'll be doing eye cases, um, ortho cases, neuro cases, stuff like that, and so each so each OR has its own little like, special um, niche, uh, and so depending on where you are, that's what you'll be doing that day.
1: Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, All right. So, I mean, I can only imagine how, well, I mean, I'm also doing the journey, but can you tell me a little bit about the process of going to medical school, becoming a resident? Like what was that? How many years were you in school? Did you take any gap years?
0: Yeah, I took a lot of gap years. (laughs) I took a lot of gap years and I think a lot of that was because I was um, kind of undecided about what I wanted to do specialty wise. Um, For that reason, I did two years of OB before switching into anesthesia this past summer, um, which is kind of a a non-traditional route um, for sure. But I did, so I started in, I mean, you have to kind of start right after high school. So you have to go to, you have to go to four-year college um, and you don't have to necessarily be pre-med, but you have to take all the courses, the prerequisite courses for medical school. You have to take the MCAT. um, And then that was when I took my first gap year was after college. So I did research, I went to um, the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. I did exercise physiology research. Um, I think at the time, you know, I had a couple options when I graduated. I knew I wanted to take a gap year. Um, and it was basically deciding to do research or deciding to consult, it, you know, like work for Epic. It's like an Epic um, uh, competitor. They're called Cerner and it was in Kansas City. And so those are my two sort of job opportunities, if you will, after I graduated from college and I ended up doing research at Mayo because, you know, as a, as a studious pre-med student, I was trying to, to pad my, um, my CV as much as possible and get as, good, as much good experience and continue to work on getting letters and stuff like that. And so that was definitely my mindset when I made the decision. But honestly, in retrospect, and after having gone through the process now, I think I really appreciate the sort of insight and perspective that doing something outside of medicine gives you. And so if I had to go back and do it all over again I would have probably taken that year to do something else to work um you know to work for CERN or to, or to work somewhere else just to to get um a glimpse uh into what it is to just have a job um you know just have somewhere they have to be and for a certain number of hours and um and responsibilities that go beyond just like learning and and regurgitating information and so um so that was that was a um, definitely a big sort of crossroads in, in my life. Um, I went out to med school at the university of Wisconsin after that. So let's see, that was another four years. I took a a gap year in med school to do research. Um, this is where the indecision starts. So (laughs) (laughs) when I was graduating, I was between a number of different specialties. Um, But the gap year I took was in neurosurgery, and that's because that's what I wanted to do at the time. Um, During the course of that gap year, though, I realized that I had a lot of interest outside of just being, you know, sort of in the hospital and working. So, um, and I think that was a really important realization, you know. Um, My gap year was research, I did traumatic brain injury research, I like taught kids about. about traumatic brain injury. I went to a bunch of high schools, um, got to present at a conference. I was like, it was a great year and I'm definitely glad I did that. Um, But other than that, my time was my time. Um, And so um, that was definitely my first experience or one of my first experiences as far as just having a, um, like a regular sort of nine to five um, job. Um, So, after that research year, I, or over the course of that research, I realized that I did not want to do neurosurgery. Um, and then I ended up settling on or trying to decide between ob ultimately GYN-ONC, and then um, general surgery. Ended up doing ob went to Hopkins. Um, so that was five years of med school. Did not take a gap year. <laughs> between my med school and residency did two years of uh, residency and then now I'm in my CA one year which is your second year of four um, in anesthesia but um, but my CA one year time so definitely a long and convoluted journey but I definitely appreciate the time that I sort of forced myself to take to think about things and Um, better decide better understand sort of what I wanted out of my out of my career
1: yeah no thank you so much for talking about that experience and I think for people who might be out there who never even knew that switching specialties in the middle of residency was an option who might be unhappy with what they're doing um, what like what's your advice to them or like how do you think that you would you know just like guide
0: someone through that process? Yeah, it's hard. Um, I mean, it's, it, it's definitely possible. It's not easy, but um, it's definitely possible. The first thing you have to do though is understand like what your rationale is because you will, the moment you sort of make it known that you're interested in switching specialties, I think a majority of people are going to tell you not to just because it's so scary. Um, you know, I think medicine is definitely a, um, a career path that is well mapped out, you know, so you sort of know what you're going to be doing loosely at every, at every step, and some people like that. And I think deviating from that, that sort of uh, predetermined course is um, very shocking or can be very shocking to people. So you have to be certain because otherwise people just convince you not to do it. Um, uh, and then maybe you really didn't want to, right? So um, I think having that conviction is the first step. Um, the next step is reaching back out to mentors that you are know and are comfortable with. Um, not only because you will, depending on the specialty that you want to go to or switch into, you'll need you know new, new letters of recommendation, but also just you know people who know you, people who can talk to you, people who can sort of bounce ideas off of as far as like, here's why I want to do this, um, and they can oftentimes really help you understand your reasoning, your rationale, and help help make decisions. But also, they will be the ones um, to reach out on your behalf and advocate for you um, at, you know, whatever new program, if you end up going to a new program or a new hospital. Um, you know, the the residency switch process is a little less standardized than, you know, the match. And so um, so it, some of it is obviously like what your test scores are, you know, whether or not you can or could have matched into this program. That is an option, too, is to just re-enter the match. But honestly, the way I've seen it more often is that people, it's just like you have, you know, your program director, your department chair, whoever had the conversation with the other place and, or somebody in your department has a, has a conversation with somebody at the other place. And, and, you know, that sort of starts that process and starts that conversation. And then, um, and then I think, I know maybe three people who have, you know, switched hospitals, switched specialties that, that route. Awesome.
1: Um, So it definitely seems like a big part of their process is the connections you make while in residency and the support of program directors in a med school. Um, So for people who might still be early on in like the process, just like how do you build that relationship with program directors and mentors and you know if they're looking out like what would you your advice be to them
0: yeah um you know i think you have to definitely look at everyone as an ally you know um i think that the biggest mistake I, mistake i see people make is you know burning bridge because they don't think that they'll need somebody right or, or something like that and i think that that's like just a baseline morally wrong right because there's there's no reason unless they've done something to you um you know, so I think that, that 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 can definitely be a mistake that people make. They're like, oh, this is the only specialty that I'm gonna go into. This is the like I know this would be it. And they're like, you know, forget everybody else and then they find themselves in a situation where they need to switch And all those people that they said forget to. They're like, hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so so definitely, you know, don't don't like dig yourself into into that sort of hole early on. Um I think you have to be open-minded to again, what other people can offer you or like what you can learn from other people. So even when I was, you know, doing neurosurgery research, I just happened to have one of the gynonc, you know, attendings that I remember having a really good, you know, sort of um, clinical experience with. And so when I realized that I wanted to switch, she was like one of the first people that I reached out to, um, And when I switched from OB to anesthesia, you know, at Hopkins, my original plan was not to do that. My original plan was to leave medicine for a year, um, work, and then match or just decide not to come back. Um, And I really only landed in this program because I was so, you know, collegial with all of the anesthesia residents and attendings because they were always on labor and delivery. And so they're like, well, yeah, we, we know you, you know, you have always been respectful to us, you have always treated us as colleagues and you know, even though we're not in your specialty. Um, and so it, it definitely is, you know, a worthwhile attempt and, and it's been great so far and I, I think the department, my new department is a very good fit for me. Um, but I definitely would not have had that opportunity if I hadn't, um, you know, sort of again looked at everybody as uh, somebody that I could learn from um, somebody that I could collaborate with stuff like that. Um, I think in addition to that, you have to, you know, I, I'd identify people again who are not even necessarily in your specialty who can be advocates for you, somebody who can speak on your behalf. Like, yes, this isn't my specialty, but as an individual, as a person, I know that you know Steve, or I know that Sessenchas is is a good is a good doctor, um, and will be a good doctor no matter what specialty they go into. Like, you definitely need that sort of. Um, that sort of support when you're making a switch like this. And and so, um, and honestly, you can't function in in a, in a silo, no matter what specialty you're in, like you absolutely will need the help of other specialties. Um, and I think that's when and how medicine works best. Um, and so I think just taking that approach from a very early on um, point in your training, and then just understanding that everybody is, um, is a colleague, and everybody is is there to ultimately take the best care of of your patients your combined patients as possible is is I think the best best approach and it will only it will only benefit you
1: awesome thanks so I know residency is like time consuming you don't really have your own schedule um, so I'm sure that that can be a little tough on your mental health so like how do you specifically work to keep your mental health and your physical health in shape during this time in your career yeah
0: it's um it's hard you have to um you have to start early so you know I knew that I would lose my mind if I didn't you know find a way to work you know wellness stretching exercise um fitness into my schedule early on so when even when I was in med school like I just made it part of my daily routine um you know sometimes when I had more time I could go to the gym for an hour hour and a half sometimes I had less time I would do a workout at home or I'd go for a run, um, you know, something like that. And so, but it has to be important to you because you can make excuses for everything. Like every, there's every single day and every single thing I do, I could be like, I, there's something else I could be doing right now that, you know, could be more beneficial. Um, but you have to appreciate, again, what it means to you. And I know for me, um, that is how I, you know, sort of dealt with uh, the emotion roller coaster that is, you know, medicine and it is residency is, is having something, you know, this 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 thing that I could look forward to um, a couple times a week or this thing that I could sort of forget everything else that I was doing and just immerse myself in and, and um, even if for a half hour. Um, and I think that that definitely helped keep me sane on like rotations, on clinical rotations. Like anytime we had a lot of away rotations, at University of Wisconsin, because they had this like statewide medical system. and so. You know, I did medicine in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Um, I did surgery in La Crosse, Wisconsin. I did anesthesia um, in a like Green Bay or Peds in Green Bay. And so you bounce around a lot. And I remember one of the first things I heard was, it was like, okay, where will my gym be? Where will my, you know, what are my what are my fitness options? And, um, and so for me, at least that was something that was important enough to carve um, the time out of my day for, I know that that is like cooking for some people or, or gardening or something like that. And so you just have to pick, you won't have time for everything. Right. So it's something you will absolutely, there are things that you would you enjoy doing that you won't have time to do, but I think you have to pick the one or two things that are the most important to you that sort of bring you the most wellness um, uh, and, and then force them into your schedule um, and keep that up. And sometimes that means you have to sacrifice sleep. Like there are definitely times when I was an OB resident where i like, I'd come back from an overnight shift at like, Eight in the morning and I had to be back by five and I had to like run to the gym. Fortunately at that time I had a gym in my building so I would just like go upstairs and like you know spin or something for 30 minutes before I went to bed even though I was exhausted mm-hmm. only because I knew that the the benefits were were you know the benefits in my health and my wellness and sort of my my overall mindset and, and um, outlook were were so important. All
1: right so if you could give advice to someone who's either an undergrad or postgrad who might be interested in like the medical field like what advice would you give them
0: keep an open mind keep an open mind I think that um I think that we the you know medical application process has become so competitive that people feel like it's the only thing that they can do and it's the only thing that defines them um, when they are in high school, when they're in undergrad um, and and to some degree that's that's true. I think you have to be you know um, you know focused enough you have to be again have that conviction to in order to to do it certainly. but I encourage everyone to look at all of the other options out there, right because um, medicine has this Reputation, where you know it's held uh, to this this high standard and it's it's up on this pedestal as far as like what you can be and oh you can be a doctor and I and I think it's great it is it is a very rewarding career absolutely um but I don't think it's the only rewarding career and and I think that people lose sight of that and then find themselves you know six seven ten years into a career that they that they don't like and and I that that shouldn't be who, you know, and that, that's that's not who you want to be your doctor. Um, so definitely keep your eyes open to all the things that are out there. There are plenty of careers where you can work with people, where you can work with science, where you can work with medicine even, you know, that aren't, um, that aren't uh, med school. Um, you can, I think that, you know, coming to Hopkins, one thing that I really, really respect about our program is we have a large um, like DO population. So um, we have, I think maybe four or five of them in our class of in our class of 30 which is a pretty significant percentage um, and then hopkins also has a really good um certain departments have a really good uh, sort of working relationship with pa groups and so um urology here is one of them where um pas are very very part very much part of the, the entire like patient process like peers are the ones in the ors and the you know, surgeries with the attendings um, and then the ones taking care of the patients on the floor and so know those are all i mean i still call those like you know like md light like it, it it's all still the same the same thing i wouldn't say that if you did that that that's necessarily doing something different but um but i i encourage people to talk and to ask and to just explore before deciding and and you know setting their mind on on the one thing and on the one route um because i think that's besides you know doing right by yourself i think that's also um the, it's an important mindset to have when you get to medicine, when you get to that point, because you've like, okay, I've done this and I, know, no, I don't like it, or I've thought about this and I, re, I realize that that isn't for me for this and this and this reason. And I think that, that, that all of that helps make the, the process um, a more successful one.
1: Yeah, no, I'm really glad you said that, um, especially because that's kind of like what the premise of this podcast is all about is giving you know, that exposure to people who thought that pre, pre, being pre-med was the end all be all. Um, when that just really isn't the case. And like having been on my public health, like, you know, gap year this year, I've like just been exposed to so many other healthcare professions and I'm just like, wow, I never even knew these existed. And so right. I'm hoping that like, you know, people from this will be able to hear that and be like, oh, you know, that's something I've never even heard of. Like, let me look into it because it sounds like something I'd be interested in.
0: You can even do another career and then come back. I had a right. grandmother in my in my med school class who had like, I don't think lived the whole life. And it's like, you know, I want to be a primary care doctor in my town. We don't have one. Or we don't have enough. And so she like went to med school and went to residency and that's what she did, you know? And and so um, it, it's, it's never too late. I don't know that I want to be, you know, uh, a <laughs> surgery rotation. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that, I don't know that that's what I want to do, but, but, but there are definitely ways to, you know, accomplish those goals really at any point in your life. Yeah, it's
1: definitely never too late. Um, all right. If you could go back and give advice to your younger self, what would you tell them?
0: Um, (laughs) I would tell my younger self to, honestly, I would tell my younger self, uh, to, to continue to take the time. I, I, I think that, you know, there are definitely people who look at how many, you know, the fact that I switched residency and the fact that I took two gap years and, um, you know, and they scoff and, and honestly, I I am very grateful to myself at that time and at that age for having the courage to do that because I, you know, the insight that I gained from the, from that time has, has been very valuable, um, to me and has definitely helped shape my, my career and my trajectory and what I want to do and what I don't want to do. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, definitely, I tell him save money, save money. Okay. That's, <laughs> say that, but go back, tell young yourself. And if you're young now, younger than me, at least I'm 30. If you're young now, you know, definitely tell yourself to save money. Um, even if it's, I think getting in the mindset of saving is important. We all fall into this trap of like, oh, one day i to be in attending. And I will be able to make, you know, make up all the losses that I have. And Sure, that I mean that might be true, and then that generally is a case, but I don't think that there's anything wrong. in fact there are lots of things right with um with saving money early on, so honestly that is what i would, I would go back in time to my you know like college freshman stuff and be like, "Even now, start putting away twenty dollars fifty dollars a month, and you know over time that that will definitely grow
1: Awesome. Um, all right. So besides medicine, like what else do you do on the side or what do you do when you want to have fun or do something else?
0: Man, I do a lot. That's a problem. Um, so I think one of the more important and consistent things that I've done is, um, be a dedicated goldfish father. So I had a tank when you remember, you remember, you remember a tank? I went oh, to I college.
1: Sure
0: I went to college My my, my fist died, but I took care of them. Mm. But everybody want to go into healthcare. I didn't see any health in that fish tank.
1: That wasn't my fish. Okay. I,
0: I clearly. Um, so I really like goldfish because um, I think they're kind of an underdog in the pet world. Um, you know, I think people look at them as very disposable. You know, like give out a bunch of them at like, you know, carnivals and birthday parties. And then nobody takes care of the fish and they all die. And so um, I have had my current goldfish for five years. Um, and I got it my What's goldfish's name goldfish's name is Sura yeah. I've heard, yeah, so she's my longest goldfish that I've had right now um, and then I got another goldfish for, let's see it would almost been two years ago now um, named Pepper nice so Pepper and Sura are my two goldfish and let's see Sura is literally about you know here's my head she's about this big and she started a couple inches she started wow. like this size um And I, you know, that's like another sort of, uh, source of, you know, wellness and calm for me is just like watching my, my fish swim. And, and, you know, I think that Pepper is like a fantail goldfish and the fantails, you know, sort of floating in the water. That that that'll any sort of anxiety or stress that I'm having for the day instantly like decreases by, you know, thirty, forty percent when I can sort of sit there and, and watch them or feed them or something like that. So that's something that I identified early on. I was like, Oh wow, this is something that apparently is really important to me. And so when I was driving out from Wisconsin to Baltimore, I had my U Haul, um, I had my, you know, my car that I was in, and then I had my, my little tub of water, um, uh, Tupperware of water that I had my cold fish in and <laughs> We drove, you know, 11 hours or whatever, from from Madison, Wisconsin to Baltimore, Maryland, um, and, and we, it, was, it was a good trip. It was a good trip. We made it. Um, so that's sort of in my personal life. Somewhere along the line, my friends and colleagues decided that um, I was a person that they wanted to either sing at their wedding or officiate their wedding. So I do I do I officiate weddings, um, and i sang at a couple weddings. Um, the first time it happened was in med school. One of my really good friends was getting married and um, I thought I was just gonna be like in the wedding and it's funny that we had dinner and they were like, Steve, will you officiate our wedding for us? And I thought I thought they felt like they were proposing to me. So said, <laughs> Cause yes. Yes I will. Um and I think wedding officiating is um, I mean it's great. It's such an honor just to be that, you know, be part of that for somebody. Like, you know, one of the biggest days of their life. I was like, "Y'all sure y'all want me up there. It's crazy. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun and I have been, I think I have another wedding or another friend of mine is getting married and who's already sort of indicated, I guess the words out in that is, uh, to even be the wedding, um, wedding officiant. So, so that's, uh, a, a very, uh, rewarding sort of side thing that I do. Um, How'd you
1: even get, like, become an officiant?
0: I mean, they told, they asked me to, and I got to, I had to go online and get, um, yeah, it's like $50 at the university. Universal Life Church or something like that. But, you but have- their marriages
1: are legit. Like, I just want to be sure that like, okay, yeah. All right.
0: yeah, you know, so you have to go and it's like a really not difficult course, but then you get a, a officiant license and um, you're like registered with, with the state. And then certain states will accept that officiant, like certain states you can be the to sign, but but other states don't. So then it is state specific. So Wisconsin, it was fine. Um, Minnesota was fine. But I don't. I like. I can't speak for every state in the, in the United States. Um, additionally, I sing a lot. Um, so I, I know. Was, <laughs> I was in a band in college. I was in a band in med school. We were called the Arrhythmias. Um, me and that friend group. After we graduated, and Aussie in med school, even we started to record a little bit so we've made like three or four songs which is which is pretty cool um and then we like they all came to visit uh, a couple months ago and um we like got this airbnb here in baltimore and made another song right and nice. uh and so i really enjoy i really enjoyed not even just singing but just like making music just because it's such a sort of creative and freeform you know sort of experience you really just like whatever comes to mind whatever comes to heart can be in the song, right? It's it's all possible. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a lot of uh, respect and love for my friends that I make music with because um, we, the way we became our med school band is we all individually were like, you know, musicians on our own. So like my one friend played piano, my one friend played drums, I sang, and we all like discovered that. And we all got together just to like perform. And then we were looking at each other like, hold on <laughs> We should probably do something with this. We, should probably, we should probably take this on stage or something. And then we found out um, subsequently that there was in fact a medical school band, and that there, you know, there was going to be the need for someone to step up to be the performer for the medical band. So that ended up um, being a very natural um, progression for us. Um, and then I think that's most of it. I think that's most of it. You know, just sort of making music on the side, singing when I can um and my goal is this, it's really, really I have time for the rest of my time
1: right
0: <laughs> I spent at work but but those those are definitely things that are um that are important to me I'm trying to learn about you know finance now I have this like podcast that I listen to and um not so much because I plan to make a lot of money or to try to make a lot of money but I think I think the stock market is a very interesting intersection of like psychology um and 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 mathematics you know so like what people feel definitely dictates and how people respond to things, um, you know, dictates what happens with with uh with stocks. And so um it's kind of like people watching for money.
1: Very I, I don't interesting. Have, I'm still saving. That's that's the thing. And I'm mm-hmm.
0: even I don't even have money in stocks because I'm 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 uh doing the thing that I that I should have done a long time ago. So don't make my mistake, you know, start early so you could, you know, get here making game stock game stock money. <laughs>
1: All right. Um, so obviously, getting to where you are is no easy feat. So if you like, could you know, give credit to like someone or people who helped you get to where you are today? Like, who would you say who's been your support system? Everybody.
0: Um, I I'm definitely one of those people that like sometimes I look around like I'm not even sure how this all happened. I certainly didn't do it, you know. Um, but I, you know, sort of to my, to my earlier point, I feel like I am, even if it's not somebody who is further along than me in their career or even somebody who's in my field or in my specialty or in medicine or in academics, right? Um, <laughs> like for example, um, in college one time, I spent a summer at Duke doing research and the most influential person that summer was the janitor for the student center, who taught me how to play pool, like he would come every day. I would meet him there after lab because I wanted to learn how to play pool. His name was Jesus, and he would he would take like an hour out of his day to like show me how to do stuff. And and that like that meant the world to me. Um, pool has not gotten me anywhere in life, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely I'm sure right. it's a
1: nice uh, day trick. I'm sure.
0: Right, you're absolutely right. That's right. You can definitely yeah you know like if I I win first round on you um so you know so really really everybody um but i would say the big people um my parents obviously for um going through all of the trouble of moving from a different country nigeria um establishing themselves here in the united states creating a life way you know that they could bring children into and then um allow us to to sort of learn and grow um on our own um that is probably still one of the hardest sounding things I've ever heard of. And so definitely have talked to them. Um, along with that, my siblings who have all been my biggest cheerleaders in life always, um, um, even when they don't think I'm making the right decision. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so um, all, of the, all of the thanks to them. Um, and then my aunt who passed away uh, a couple years ago um, was a very very influential person um, in my life. I think I you know I kind of grew up with her, um, and she definitely played a role in helping me um, understand myself and in helping me identify what my strengths were and helping me sort of own my um, my my academic my my all my high school skills and things like that to sort of direct and gear me towards college and beyond. Um, every professor I've ever had who has had to suffer through watching me not take notes in class. <laughs> and then ask questions that they just answered, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I really appreciate you. Oh gosh. Um, and yeah, I mean, on at every point, um, you know, switching specialties was in large part to being able to switch specialties in large part to my program director for my OB department who, you know, sort of told me that there was this Position available, and that you know that you would definitely reach out on my behalf if um, if I was interested. And so I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for the dude in, in the program and the anesthesia program who didn't come. You know, I bet you he didn't know he was going meet <laughs> but I appreciate it, brother. Um, you know, so so again, I am like eternally grateful to every single person that comes into and across my life because I, I acknowledge how sort of random all this can be and and how um, little or big a role people can play. Um, might not, you know that that might not be clear. Might not make sense at the time, but you'll look back, you know, years later and be like, "Wow, literally wouldn't have happened if it weren't for that tiny little thing that that person did." Um, who am I? Who am I forgetting? I just feel like you like getting up in the award program. I was right?
1: literally going to say, like, this is your Grammy awards speech right I
0: was, now. I won't thank God, you know what I'm saying. Um, but no, I think I think those are the big things. You know, my family, um, obviously, all my friends. Um, and um, my mentors that have seen something in me, right? So the people, definitely the people that believe in you um, uh, and the people that have believed in me have have been instrumental in in giving me the the courage and giving me the confidence to, to continue to try and continue to strive
1: you do ever have to give a grammy speech like i will be sure to like forward this to you just so like you could (laughs) just take notes you already have them all down
0: i (laughs) 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 I wonder what he's doing i should have got his number
1: um, all right, so another topic, which I'm surprised you didn't bring up earlier, was travel. Like, you know, a lot of people talk about not being able to travel because they don't have enough time, and I'm sure if you had more time, you definitely would travel more. But just talk about your experiences traveling and what that's been like yeah, for you. I mean, I love travel,
0: and I know everybody says that, um, and I roll my eyes when they say it too. Um, but I think it depends, on, like, what your reasoning for travel is. I feel like people get frustrated sometimes when they travel with me because I hate touristy stuff. Like, I hate you know what i'm saying because i feel like that isn't necessarily the authentic perspective on that country that is the like idealized perspective on that country or that location that they want people to see so i love traveling with people who live the place that i'm going to so two summers ago i went to um and like basically did like a little mini euro trip i flew into budapest and then drove up to Berlin and then drove to Hamburg for um, a music festival um, stopped in Slovakia and uh, my tour guide was a um, German medical student that I'd actually met here um, who was doing like a summer research thing and me and my old roommate from Madison flew out and he like you know showed us around town and it was great like we definitely did touristy stuff but he was like yeah this is like my favorite bar and it you know I wouldn't have known this was a thing otherwise and um, and so I think that traveling with somebody or traveling somewhere where, you know, where somebody sort of knows the, is, the land is the best. Um, I've also been in Guatemala twice. Those were like sort of school medical mission trips, um, but it was nice the second time because I got to help plan a trip a little bit, so.
1: <laughs> Your own little touch.
0: Everyone was like, can we go to this? I, like, I don't wanna go to, I don't wanna do that. We're gonna go to this like random, you know, open air market um even though it's like on the other side of the lake just because when else in our lives are we gonna have the opportunity to do that you know no there's no starbucks and you know there's nothing to necessarily take a picture but this is and i think that day specifically like everybody found something that like they were absolutely in love with and that they bought and brought back with them um i got a painting my buddy got a painting some people got like mugs shot glasses things like that which all can all be very you know touristy but my favorite part was haggling in Spanish. You know, I think that's why I got the price down as low as I did. I can't really speak Spanish, and um, I'm working on it. I used to be able to speak Spanish a lot better, but I can I can survive in a Spanish speaking country. Um, and I think that they they uh, they re- they respected that. If this uh, this artist really respected that, and not me. Um, but I probably still got overcharged. Definitely. Yeah, hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent. Rightfully so. Um. So yeah, I've been to Central America. I've been to Europe. I've been to Mexico. I spent a summer in um, Montreal, which you know doesn't really count, but that was really cool. Um, I love Montreal as a city. It's like a huge city, but it feels like a much smaller city than it is. Um, they had this like drum festival at this park every Sunday at the time, and it would just be like you know sort of solo people with their drums but they would all like form into these lines and um it was actually pretty amazing to think that they could accomplish this by not being like <laughs> a legitimate ensemble i was like you all just showed up today and th- you this is what we're doing right now <laughs> think about it just stay stay here stay together and i definitely encourage people to travel if they can um you know i have had to anybody who's in medicine will know that you oftentimes don't have a big turnaround time right so um you have to either go directly from something that most people would need a day or two of sleep from um you know like a 24-hour shift and before you get on the plane and travel for another 24 hours um or you're coming back and you're starting something like immediately so it's usually like it's travel is where people suffer um in in med school and in residency but i think it's still worth it um because you again can always make an excuse to work and can always have not enough time and um if travel is something that's important to you and you know i think experiencing other cultures meeting other people um gives you a lot of perspective on um on what it is and how fortunate we are here in the united states for sure um i think after traveling to central america i was like and they were happier than anybody that like the, the village that we stayed in, uh, we went to a bunch of different villages, but um, the, the like slightly larger one that we stayed in for as our like home base, um, you know, we made a lot of, of um, surprising friends in, in, in that context. And um, and I think that the the life that they showed us was very different than what we thought it, uh, that they lived. Yeah, very cool.
1: Um, and a lot of people, of this is just, they just don't think, like you said, time is just oftentimes a luxury. So how do you work in something like dating, you know, being able to find, you know, a partner and, you know, through med school, in residency, like what, what's that experience been like for you? It's
0: hard. I think that um probably the biggest thing that you have to realize and appreciate is that you will, like whoever you end up with, depending on what they do, they will have to make sacrifices for your career that you know that like neither of you intended it almost forces you to be a lot more serious in a relationship early on because you're like yeah so i have to leave in a year (laughs) and then i think a natural next question is okay great where are you going it could be Baltimore, Boston, California, Houston, right? Because like these were all the programs so uh-huh. I applying, interviewing residency, and and I could end up in any one of these in any one of these cities. Um, so I, I think that um, that that's a, an important conversation to have early on if you are dating. Um, it's just like, hey, this is kind of a crazy situation, and and I think it's important to give people the option to to opt in or opt out of that. You know, it shouldn't be a surprise. Um, they should sort of know what's coming in the pipeline, just so um, they can plan accordingly or decide if that's something that they want to be a part of. Um, you know, as, as sad or as serious as that is. Um, as far as finding time, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it you get you know you get the the odd weekend or you know a couple days off of spread out in a month and it's sometimes something you have to plan super far ahead in advance for, you know, so you, let's say you're on a dating app and you match with somebody and you guys want to go out and date. You're like, okay, well, I won't be free for two weeks, but (laughs) if you're you're still interested in two weeks, you know, then, then we could do it. So it definitely makes dating hard, but obviously people do it. You know, people date and get married. A lot of people date sort of in, within the class. I think we had two or three couples that sort of formed and um, went on to become, um, uh, marriages. And, uh, and I think that that's uh, a very understandable way to go about it too. Um, but it is regardless of how you cut the cake, it's definitely different than your normal dating experience for, you know, somebody in their 20s, definitely.
1: Very, very interesting. Um, all right. So each week we have a segment called On the Grill, where we talk about topics that are like, you know, currently happening in the news. So today we're going to be talking about diversity in medicine. So in 2019, the AAMC showed that among active physicians, 56.2% identified as white, 17.1% identified as Asian, 5.8% identified as Hispanic, and 5% identified as black or African-American. And they did have a group that was considered unknown that was 13.7%. And when you looked at full-time US medical school faculty by race and ethnicity, 63.9% were white, 19.2% were Asian, and only 3.6% full-time faculty were Black or African-American in 2018, and 5.5% were Hispanic or Latino um, or of some Spanish origin. Um, So when we even break that down further, just looking at the number of Black males who go into medical school, um, there was a study done a couple of years ago that showed that back in 1978 to 1979, the medical school enrollment for black males was 3.1%. And in the year 2019 to 2020, it had decreased to 2.9%. So as a black male in medicine, like ha- like, wh- what is your advice or, you know, wh- like, what do you think we need to do as a field um, to increase an amount of diversity? Because there have also been studies showing how patient care improves when you have more diversity and exposure. And so, like, what, what do you say to people who say, well, we already have enough black males or diversity isn't a thing? We should just hire people based off of what they bring, you know? So, like, what, what's your response to those? Um,
0: the people saying diversity isn't a thing, they're lying. So, that's like I'd ask questions there, um, especially in 2021. I, it's not easy, right? Um, And I don't say that, uh, you know, like pat myself on the back for having done it or, you know, for doing it. Um, But I say that because it is, I think it's a sacrifice that people don't really appreciate. I think that you know, everyone looks at medicine and going through it as being like, you know, oh, great, they've made it, but you have to sacrifice so much along the way, and you have to sacrifice even more, so much more as an African-American um, male or female. I think the reason that is, is because um, there's just a pre-existing culture, right? And that culture is, is is for better or for worse, white. Um, I think that the first step is going to the, the first step to making it a more hospitable environment for, um, you know, sort of applicants of color um, is to change the um, breakdown of uh, leadership. Uh-huh. So we need more um, African American, I mean, not, not just African American, we need more minority men and women in positions of power. So department chairs, um, program directors, things like that. Um, having said that, though, it's really hard to get to that point because you have to, you know, um, not that I'm saying that there is a single white culture and that there's a single black culture, um, but there are definitely, you know, even among all of the subtleties and and all the variations in either of those larger camps, um, it, it can be very hard to reconcile. And so, for example, I have to be very, you know, sort of cognizant of the way I talk Right, I have to be the way I have to be very careful with my emotions. Mm-hmm. Right, I think that something that would cause anybody to be frustrated or cause anybody to be upset, and that anybody had the right to be upset or be frustrated about, I can't. I don't get that. I don't get that privilege um, just because my, the. I think when people see those reactions in someone that looks like me, they they, they exaggerate them. Right. So it, was it, it no matter what the emotion was, it, it gets looked at as anger or or, or violence or aggression. Um, So I think that that makes it really hard to maneuver. That makes it really difficult to make it to the point of being in a position of leadership like that. Um, But that's the only way that things are going to change. I guess to those people out there, to the, you know, to the young African or old African American men thinking about, you know, applying or going into medicine, I definitely encourage you to because we need you. Um, you know, I went to a school that was predominantly, I mean, Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin was predominantly white, um, but I really, really, really cherish that experience despite how difficult it is. And despite the, um, you know, the various traumatic situations that I found myself in and that I still think about to the day sometimes, um, you know, I, I think that it's important that people that look like me go out on a limb like that, because I, know for a fact that I'm the only black person that some people in my class had ever, you know, worked with or ever looked at as a colleague and not, you know, as something else or something lesser. Um, And that's, you know, that's not that's not directly their fault. That's just where they grew up. Right. And and, and so I think that that the my biggest takeaway from that experience is that ignorance really is the thing. You can't blame people for that. Um, But you can certainly or if you're going to blame people for that, then you have to put your you know you have to put your actions you have to put those emotions to work right you can't just blame people and then not do something to try and fix it and so I I went sort of above and beyond um when it came to um you know we had a um we had like a like diversity interest group and I was co-president of that for two years um just because I was somebody who could talk to anybody right and so I could I my you know my superpower is bringing people together to to discuss and to learn about each other and, and to make uncomfortable and vulnerable situations a little less you know a little less uncomfortable a little less vulnerable and i think that just because i had been in those situations so many times i was like you guys it's fine like i know all right i can guess as to how you're feeling and how uncomfortable you might be but that's okay you're you're like this is a new situation for you and the goal isn't to, for it to feel perfect or for it to be right but the goal is to take something away from it you know and, and if, if you stay if you if you believe the things that you say or if I'm to believe the things that you say as far as you know a lot of schools are um, you know very big on diversity and increasing the amount of diversity in, in schools and in hospitals and in residencies and I think that that's all fine to say, but I'm somebody who has a much higher threshold for believing that. And, and one of those things is being able to sit with people in leadership and, and pick their brain and hear like what their plans and what their perspective is. And you can tell, you can tell oftentimes just by how much they talk. You know, I think that the the, the people that I trusted the most and, and the, the conversations that were the most productive were when somebody was listening, like, okay, we actually have no idea, right? Like, and that mm-hmm. is, I love that. That's that, that's true. You right. know, don't don't come to me and say, well, we know that this is what we need to do. We know that this is what we need to do. We know this is what we need to do. I'm like, but who, who told you that? You know? <laughs> is that a Google search? You know, um, every situation, every school is different. One size will not fit all. Um, one size can not fit all. One size shouldn't fit all. And so to, to the people um, that are passionate about this and that want to continue to see change happen, you have to go out on that limb you have to be that bridge um you have to you know be that connection um or be that first person that is giving someone a chance to listen or that first person that is telling someone something that they need to hear um but not in an aggressive way and not in a not in a um you know violent way but but is as a, a communication right as a as a form of communication doesn't mean the communication i think those are definitely some of the, the most productive Um, you know, situations, conversations, like the story that I always tell is I had the one girl in my medical class that um, I had a, you know, ball so hard, mm want to find me, that Mm -hmm. um, uh, Jay-Z and and Kanye um, song uh, and uh, the title of the album was And Words in Paris. In Paris, yeah. (laughs) I was like, oh my God. Yikes. I felt bad for her. I was like, that's crazy. You could die. Do You know that? (laughs) Oh, you know, like not, not from me, if' a right. person, but had it been, there's a couple people in my class, I remember a couple people in my class, one of, my, one of the people in particular who, um, one of my classmates who was uh, doing ortho at Stanford, um, oh, that would have been a very different conversation. <laughs> rightfully so though, you know what I mean? Like rightfully so, it was very, it was wildly inappropriate. But instead of getting angry or upset, again, because I can't do that. Right. Um, I just wrote her a message on Facebook. I was like, hey, that wasn't okay for this, 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 this reason. We kept on being friends. We kept in touch. And I remember two or three years later, she reached out to me. She's like, honestly, like that was the first time that somebody had like approached something or situation like that, that way. And I was finally able to understand that, like, that wasn't okay. And you helped me understand why that wasn't okay. And I like wanted to say thank you, you know? And, and so I feel like those sort of situations, even though they seem small and maybe seem insignificant as just one person, that's still the sort of change that needs to happen, right? Like it, it, it's the very least I can do. What ends up happening though is you're already a medical student, um, you know, you're already stressed, you're already overwhelmed. And on top of that, you have to be a teacher. And on top of that, you have to filter your emotions. And I think that that's where the, that's where these sacrifices somebody you know, somebody a person of color um, goes through is just like you have to do and keep track of all of these things above and beyond just the, the baseline of like doing well, which. Is-
1: is right um 100 percent. and i do think that that is a luxury that is often overlooked by um you know peers who are not minorities who are not people of color um even within my class this year we had like a couple of incidences where we kind of just like talked about our experiences and people were just shocked and i'm just like how like like you know right. you know like the, the, you don't even realize like this is just from day one i mean it even started back in second year where we had to tell one of our lecturers that her dermatology slides weren't representative. Like we we didn't see a single patient with color, like skin that was like colored. And
0: And you guys were in New Jersey.
1: Right. And we were in New Jersey. So like, you can only imagine like in the Midwest or in the South where like other. And so I think, (laughs) I think that that is such a huge thing and I do like I I think it's unfortunate that like we have to take this position but like I mean if you are out there and you notice these things like even if not for you but for the generations that come after us like we have to start making these steps and doing these things to create a new culture that doesn't require us to have to go above and beyond just to you know stay afloat and so i mean i think that was like kind of like great thank you so much for sharing that story as well like, yeah and,
0: and you know again it, it i think ultimately though it makes you it makes you better right if, if you're one of those people that believes that you know adversity and difficult situations you know that you grow from them then i think that's that's true right i feel very comfortable with any patient that i encounter right even if they don't feel comfortable with me i'm like listen i have seen every farmer and Every farmer, son and daughter, for every you know, 50, 60 miles around Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> um, it doesn't, you know. I, I I hope that you can appreciate the fact that that we are just people.
1: Right? That was and also people. after the twenty sixteen election, so
0: yeah. That was. That was. I remember people were trying to bring it up. Patients were trying to bring it up. I, was, I don't want to talk about that with you. Yeah. I know we. I know we I know we, I know we disagreed. That's fine. We will take this up. We'll come back. We'll come back around the next time. <laughs> Biden. big button um you know so and but that was that that's also like another point is that it affects patient interactions when you're graded getting graded on all these things you know when mm-hmm. everything's supposed to be held constant it isn't everything is not the same everything is not even and it's but it's hard to quantify that yeah you know and so i, I don't know yet that there's a way to account for that but it, it certainly exists yeah um and I'm not saying that you should you know like go out and <laughs> go to your minor you know my minority or people calling your class lay hey, I know it's hard for you okay I'm here for you. I don't think that's it either especially if you don't know them um that's that's just strange but uh, just be aware of it right and, and maybe try and identify the ways that you contribute to that All Right. And, and try and 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 not
1: yeah and I mean even if it's as little as being an ally in moments where in- these things do come up because I mean it's taxing on us to always have to be the ones to bear the burden so if our non you know underrepresented minority peers could be the ones to be like oh I'm sorry like professor but I think what you said just now was inappropriate or (laughs) like I think you know you and it's scary of course it's scary you know like med school is like a very like you know it's it's a your grades are so important and your character and every professionalism is huge but we also have to deal with the professionalism, right. um, you know, instances. And so it, I don't it, think it that. Sometimes,
0: you know, for better or for worse, that can backfire. Like, I've definitely been in a situation where somebody brings, somebody makes something about color, right? But I'm the only person of color in the room. So I'm sitting there like, what am I doing now? <laughs> <laughs> this is you, know, this is you don't even have to deal with the repercussions of, you know, starting this conversation of going down this, you know. Right. So it, it, it it's it's not it's not it's not easy and I I I, I definitely acknowledge that, but you just listen. Yeah. Right. Just openness and listening. Um speaking of allies, uh, back to that story. There was another person in that room, a little answer champion before I test, who was there to hear uh, the what my classmate had said to me. And I remember I looked back, um, and she was like <laughs> Jaw dropped. And I was like, Okay, good. Okay, so I'm not, I just make sure. You're not that, the
1: only one, yeah. I'm not the only
0: one who is appreciating that. So I, I reached out to her and I was like, thank you for, you know, for being there and responding the way you did because I think that was the appropriate response. Um, I, we won't fix things overnight. We won't fix things in probably the next five years. Right. By the next 10 years, right? So it's going to be a slow and steady march. Um, but it's definitely possible, right? It, there's no, there's nothing different about well, that's not true, actually. You, for, for better or for worse, I feel like underrepresented minorities going into medicine have a lot more or a lot le- fewer resources and advantages coming into the system than so and their colleagues, right? Um, it, be that SAT prep courses, be that MCAT prep courses, you know, be that whatever.
1: The shadowing opportunities. Like, shadowing
0: opportunities. Oh, maybe, for sure, for sure. So, Endless. Okay. It's hard, but again, I, it, it only makes, you know, succeeding when you do um, that much more worth it. And I think that you come out in and uh, much more capable of being the change that you would like to see um, because you've gone through the system, you have suffered through the system. You understand if you're open and if you're observing you understand the ways that um, it can be improved. And then you have finally gotten to a point and um, where you can up start to make that happen the fight never ends though
1: yeah it's definitely an ongoing battle but hopefully a couple of generations from now we can be like wow you know like thank god things have changed like thank god i don't need to recite the number of statistics that show the lack of diversity within the medical field because it just means that patient care is going to be getting better more lives are going to be saved and i think that's really at the end of the day what this all comes down to should be Um, Well, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Dr. Steve Amifuna, (laughs) for joining me today. Um, I will be sure to have any followers. If you guys have any questions for him, please feel free to email them to healthcarecookout at gmail.com. Also, follow us at healthcarecookout um, on Instagram. Do you have any parting words for the listeners?
0: Um, No, um, thank you for doing this. I think this is is really important. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. It says um, there there's definitely a need um, and I look forward to you know seeing and hearing more interviews um, and hopefully finding people to collaborate with right like yeah. that hopefully we can all sort of get to know and um, continue to sort of strengthen the bonds within the um, the uh, African-American community and honestly just the minority healthcare community um, in, in the United States and even abroad because um, We are all in the same, we're all on the same side of the struggle um, and we can't do it
1: without each other. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming out to the cookout and I will see you all next week. Bye. Bye guys.